And I'm being very careful because I'm trying to seek God. Anybody ever had to go through a transition season? Anybody in a transition season? <laughs> Always. Now, I, I think God enjoys uh, challenging your identity. Everybody say identity. Because <laughs> you think you get it figured out and then He'll switch things on you. Then He'll adjust things on you, you know. And and maybe we do it to ourselves too. Maybe we put ourselves in tough situations that we have to learn who we are. <laughs> but you know, whether whether it's you or it's God, God is your father. Everybody say father. father. He's your teacher. And, and my kids are all different, every one of them. They have a different learning style. Uh, one of them will learn by experience. The other will learn by uh, by uh, by teaching. They all have their own way of learning, and uh, and I think we're the same way. And God is big enough to lead everybody. I mean, God is big enough to teach you where you're at. God's big enough to teach you in the in the baby steps and stepping out for the first time. And He's big enough to teach you when you've been walking with Him for twenty, thirty, forty years. He knows your stagnant places, and He knows when you're willing to jump, right? And there will be areas of your life that might be like blocked off and stagnant and there's no life of God flowing in there. And there might be places in your life where God is able to communicate with you and you have a flourishing relationship with God. But He's a good Father. And He loves you. Let me tell you how this culture we have right now loves you. They love you in a way that's selfish. They won't ever challenge you on anything you believe, on anything that you think is important. You could be the most deceived individual on the planet. And our culture would say, go live your truth. Because we don't care about you. We just don't want to offend you. That's not love. That is not love. The love of God comes in and when he sees you about ready to ruin your life, he'll challenge you. He'll talk to you. He'll correct you. In Proverbs, it says, the father that spares the rod hates his son. Because <laughs> we're all about, in this society, we're all about short-term. Short-term pleasure. Short-term game. Short-term fix. Entertain me now. But the end result of a constant life like that is you will grow old and you will grow tired far quicker. And the things that are easy and the things that have great entertainment value in the short run, they're almost all inevitably terrible for you in the long run. And the things that take time, everybody say time. The things that take time and habit and they take endurance and they take patience and they take sowing and they take continual effort and overseeing. They're almost always the things that are excellent for you in the long run. Okay. I've, I've counseled with people that have one night stands that wreck the rest of their life. And all of a sudden, you're in a relationship with somebody for the rest of your life, and you got a kid together because you didn't you didn't plan this out. 
and you just did the temporary thing. People that live for drugs and alcohol, they, they have to have the fix, but they can't see that everything around them is falling apart because they're living for that one moment. Okay. And we're not called as the church to whatever you want. God bless you. God loves you. Yeah, God does love you. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you. And see, in the church, everybody say, in the church. See, in the church, Paul would admonish the church and the brothers and say, if somebody's living like such and such and living like this or living like that, don't have anything to do with them if they're in the church. He would basically say, exclude them. Now, not in such a way that you're trying to harm them or you're like, did you hear about what so-and-so did? (laughs) But it's for their admonishment and it's for their recovery. So if you really love, everybody say love. If you really love the people that are around you and if you consider them Christian brothers or sisters, the right thing to do is in love speak truth because there is a truth and it is not your truth or it is not the truth because your truth is a relative thing and there's no such thing. Your truth is. I mean, that's not that's not a phrase. You don't know what truth means if you say your truth. That is not a phrase. There is the truth. It is singular and it's something every person shares. It is the truth. It is the reality that is created. It is the green grass and the blue sky and the God who made it all. And he's the one that ordered it. He's the one who gave you grace to be who you are. If he gave you the grace to be a man, be the man God created you to be. If he gave you grace to be a woman, be the woman he created you to be. If he gave you grace to be an apostle, be the apostle he created you to be. If he gave you grace to be a prophet or a teacher or a helper or a mother or a father, then be the things that he created you to be. And don't envy each other. Don't try and step outside of who he made you to be. The greatest strength and the most authority and the most uh, fulfillment and security you're going to have is owning who God made you to be and not being duped. Everybody say duped, (laughs) not being duped about your identity. Because we think everybody is their own version of who they're supposed to be and no one can challenge them. God can challenge them. God can talk to them. And if God made you, he created you, he gave you life, he gave you order, he gave you your place. We keep thinking freedom is without restraint. No, freedom is living in the restraints that God created you in. (laughs) I'm I'm just, I don't know why I'm bending on this, but maybe it's for somebody here. the, 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 The mantra, one of the mantras, this love is love thing. What does that mean? Because you can't define a word with the word you're using to find. You can't. Love is love. All right. We got adult ears in here. Yeah. What we're really saying is I can have sex with whoever I want. I can marry whoever I want. And marriage is whatever you want it to be, which is another way of saying marriage is meaningless. <laughs> If marriage can be defined how you want to define it, then marriage is all of a sudden we don't know what marriage is. 
And if love is what you want to define it, then all of a sudden love is not what love is. Love is whatever you decide it is. So definition and meaning and purpose are the backbone of creation. You can tell me that grass isn't green, but it's still going to be what it is. And you can tell me that sky isn't blue. Well, what are you going to call it? Because it hasn't changed. And you can stand in front of me and tell me, I'm a man now. And I can say, well, believe what you want, but you are who God created you to be. I got friends that went to Oral Roberts University and they've transitioned. Uh, There's a girl that's now a guy. And uh, she is... She is not a he and never will be and no amount of surgeries and no amount of how do I no amount of chemicals are going to undo who you are. And when I when I read the word of God, this is the I don't care. And, and this comes on many fronts. This comes on your this comes on me as a man, maybe not in my sexual identity, but it comes on me as a father. It comes on you in a role in your body in Christ, who you're supposed to be. And the devil lies about two things. Everybody say two things. things. He's got a lot of different versions of two lies. And the two lies are he will lie to you about who God is. And there's lots of lies that are out there about who God is. And he will lie to you about who you are. Those are the two lies. I cannot find anything that he majors on other than the identity of God and the identity of you. And all throughout scripture, he has been challenging. Has God said? Has God said? And then in it, let's, let's go. Let's go to. Uh, let's go to Genesis. Everybody got their Bibles? Genesis. chapter 3 I am sick and tired of the church not giving good answers to these questions (laughs) not voicing their opinion not voicing the truth we care enough about these kids that are being shoved lies, that are being shoved identities. I got a girl yesterday, my my little girl, who dresses, she dresses and dresses, she dresses and shoes. She's so girly, it's crazy, okay? But when we went to Decorah the other day, they had Nordic Fest and they had a Viking helmet. And they also had, they had kids that were wearing Viking helmets and they also had kids that, you know, the girls were wearing these really, really pretty dresses, And what hit her that day when she was walking through Nordic Fest and she saw both outfits was not, I want the pretty dress. She wanted the Viking helmet. (laughs) And that was like, well, I don't have a Viking helmet, but you know, she's got two older brothers. Now, what if I, in my progressive way and uh, my confused belief system that has come on in the last 20 years over the whole history of the world comes to her and says, well, you know what? 
It may be that you're a boy. It may be that you could be more masculine, more male. And maybe you're not a girl, really. Now, I'm, I'm an authority figure in her life. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fairy tale teller. <laughs> I'm her dad. She looks to me for leadership. And I come in with something like that, and she starts to, from a young age, start to see the belief. This is possible. And God forbid I continue to encourage it. Encourage it. Water that lie. Water that identity confusion. We have a whole generation of kids that are carving themselves up, taking chemicals to change their identity because they're not secure in who they are. And who's going to come prove to me who they really are? Who's going to come prove it? You're bearing as a child? You're bearing? The anchor point is wherever they're at? My little girl's five. She's going to tell me who she is? We look to Christ as our example. And our kids look to us for ours. And it's no wonder we got a bunch of confused people. <clears throat> look at this. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of this tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see what the devil did here? How God made you and who you are and where you're at right now is not okay. It's not good enough. And God is your father and all of your needs are provided for, but you're deficient. You're deficient. And this is what the enemy comes in and does. And he challenges who you are. He challenges your identity. Everybody say identity. And your identity has to be rock solid, hooked to Jesus. And I don't care if you're going through troubles in your sexual identity. And I don't care if you're going through troubles in your identity with who you are in the body of Christ. Your identity is supposed to be linked with Jesus. Not in the moment. Not in your feelings. Not in your experiences. Not in your failures. Not in your circumstances that come and go and change. <sighs> I've watched documentaries about trans people and, and uh, I mean, uh, my heart goes out to them because they're constantly looking for the affirmation and security. They're trying to find, they're chasing it, and they're on a journey that will never end. They will not be okay when they get there, and 10 years after that, they will not be okay with who they are then. It's something else. 
And if you do not put your identity firmly in the hands of Christ, your creator, who made you and molded you, you will always be chasing approval and never be satisfied. You will always be chasing the you that isn't you instead of the you that God made you. And religion does the same thing. Everybody hearing me? This is really important. You may not suffer from sexual identity confusion, but you may suffer from identity confusion in other ways. Okay? Because the enemy comes in and says, this is not who you are. And maybe it's exactly who you are. False humility is a big problem in the body of Christ. If God says you're an apostle, bless God, you're an apostle. If God tells you to speak, have the boldness to speak. See, we don't look at ourselves with the ability that God gives us. We look at ourselves with wrong eyes sometimes. And we need to start believing. Everybody say believing. We need to start believing what he's showing us. But how can he show us anything if we're separate from him? We have to stay close. We have to stay in fellowship and communion with him. Amen. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. From, from, uh, from Genesis 3 to Colossians 3. Hmm. I think one of the most powerful things the Lord ever taught me um, was probably three years ago. I was... I come, when I lived here, I come, I'd sit on this floor, this floor right here, and I'd pray. And I'd sit here and I'd just talk to God and I would pray in the Spirit and I would listen. You guys do that, right? Pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, talk to God. And then you just, you're just you not just talking, you're listening. So you stop. And then you listen. And you, you get quiet long enough. You, you, you leave your phone down for more than five minutes. Okay. <laughs> I would go take it and I'd put it in the office and I'd lock the lock it in the office and leave the phone there because I want to hear him more than I I don't care what you're doing nobody cares what each other's doing on here <laughs> I want to hear God when you get so hungry for God you're going to you quit eating for a time you fast you pray and you listen I need you and Jesus said my meat is to do the will of him who sent me He cared more about doing what God had for him and his relationship with God was what fed his spirit. It fed his identity. It was the core of who he was. It wasn't what he ate or who he knew. It was, I need you, Jesus. I need you, your life. Jesus defined eternal life as this, to know you, Father. That's eternal life, to know you, Father. Amen. One of the most powerful things that he ever told me, I was sitting here on this floor and I had all of these aspirations that I, I, this is how I used to view myself. I did not believe that I was who I needed to be yet. Anybody relate to that? I did not believe I was who I needed to be yet. I always had a version of myself that I was striving towards, that I was like climbing the mountain that someday I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the guy that hears God like that. I'm going to be the guy that prays. I'm going to be the guy that 
never misses a time reading his Bible. I'm going to be the guy that's running marathons. I'm going to be the guy. But I always threw it out there like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And every time I'd say this, I'm not there yet. All I was telling myself was reinforcing your identity that I am insufficient at the moment to be who God has called me to be. I am insufficient. I am insufficient. You keep saying that to yourself. Even if it's subconscious, you believe it. And it starts to affect what you say and it starts to affect how you act. Because it starts here, the thoughts. I'm not who I need to be yet, but I'm going to be there. But if that is the reality you continually live in, then you will always be going to be there. Everybody following me? You're never going to get there. You're always going to get there. And God told me one time I was sitting here thinking about, I know who I'm going to be. Thank God. Praise God. I'm, I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to be like this. And, and it was like God shortened that whole trip into one second. And he said, what if this is the way he phrased it to me? What if I could get you to believe that you're who you need to be right now? And all of a sudden. <laughs> I felt hope. Everybody say hope. I felt hope instead of distance. And what I had kept saying, that's who I'm going to (laughs) be. It was like all of a sudden I was sitting here on this floor and it felt like Christmas morning. I hope that makes sense. Because Christmas morning as a kid, just like all the expectations been building, right? The, the tree, and if you're at my house, my mom doesn't give you one big gift. She gives you a thousand gifts. Okay. And so every day, every day, you know, and the kids, when we do Christmas, they see, well, the first gift starts to trickle out December 1st, you know. And then there's two. And then there's five. And then it's just like this excitement, you know. And they know there's stuff in there, and they go there and poke holes and see if they can get away from it, you know. They shake it. And there's so much hope and expectation about, man, we're going to get those. We're going to get those. And Christmas, Christmas morning comes. And it's the expectation is manifest. <laughs> I can remember having a dream that was so vivid as a kid that I got a BB gun that I ran downstairs to see the BB gun under the tree. I never got a BB gun. (laughs) But that's the power of hope. Everybody say hope. That's the power of hope. And hope in Christ doesn't make ashamed. So you can set your hope in things and you end up ashamed, you know. And I think when we're younger, especially when we don't have any basis for experience, when you're young, you put your hope in things because that's all you got. You have, I'm going to, I believe in this message, I believe in this company. And this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And five years later, they're still at this company. I'm like, man, this company's terrible. Because <laughs> they've had experience. But hope in Him doesn't make you ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Amen. And one of the most powerful things He told me, He says, what if I could get you right now to believe in who you're supposed to be right now? What if it was possible now? And I felt, just like a wave of hope hit me. 
that it's not a coming freedom. It's believing the gospel today. Amen. If all you have is a lifeline that says, I know I can be free from that thing someday. Well, don't let go. Don't let go. But if this message or if in your relationship with God brings the reality closer that says, what if I could get you to believe it's possible now? Don't harden your heart. Like in the day of provocation. Don't harden your heart, but hear what he's speaking to you. The revival that's going to come to this town, I believe in the timing of God. I also believe that that has nothing. That's none of my business. <laughs> What's my business is to believe God now. What's my business is to believe what we're supposed to be doing now. What's my business is to pray for the persons that's outside my house now. The neighbor that doesn't know Jesus needs to know Jesus. I don't need timing for that. The gifts that he has given me to walk in, I walk in. And we have to own our identity. Hmm. Everybody in Colossians chapter 3. In Christ, you've been given a new identity. And it's not the old identity that the law was trying to constrain. We talked about that in Romans 6, 7, and 8. In Romans 6, 7, and 8, the man that was married to the law produced sin and death. Not that the law was bad, but the law came to make sin evident because sin was evident. And the law came to show, look, stop stealing stuff from your neighbor. They couldn't stop. But Romans 6, 7, and 8, the man that was married to the law... Jesus stepped in place of and died under the penalty of the law, died for all those in the flesh that we might. And when he was raised again to newness of life, we who relate to Christ in his death also relate to Christ in his resurrection. And so we don't live as those dead under the law, but we live as Christ now lives to God. He's not going to die again, Paul said. He's never he's not subject to death anymore. So we then reckon ourselves by faith. We're dead to this world. And we're alive to God. So we're not married to the system of the law and the flesh anymore. We're married to the system. Of, I'm alive in the spirit and I'm married to Christ. And Romans 7 isn't for you to pat yourself on the back and say, see, Paul empathizes with my weaknesses. No, Romans 7 is all about the guy who is married to the law. Do not empathize with him. Do not relate to him. Don't put forward and say one day. <laughs> Because you're in the day. Today is the day. And Romans 8 is about the guy that's married to Christ. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Who are born according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Amen. Colossians 3. If then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, 
passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of the, these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now, everybody say, but now. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Now, I've given messages about this before. All these things in here, okay? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Some of these things are things that I dealt with. And there were things that I'd say, I'm going to be free of that. And when the word of Christ came to me, when I was sitting here on this floor and he's like, in another way, he just basically told me, why don't you just believe the gospel that you're free and then walk that out. And I started to have hope that what was possible right then was when I have anger rise up in my heart and it's not a God kind of anger. It's not an anger. It's sin. It's a frustration because that's the last straw. I don't have to vent. I don't have to break. I don't have to crack. I don't have to throw a hissy fit. <laughs> Mom's seen me throw a hissy fit, haven't you? <laughs> my wife has seen me throw a hissy fit. This did not go my way. <laughs> Kick stuff. Come on. Don't, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Get angry. And it's not God. It's not the right way to do it. Okay. If you're going to get mad, get mad at unrighteousness. Jesus took a whip for a right reason. (laughs) Yeah. But some of these things that he's listed here, he says, put them off. He doesn't say pray about it. He doesn't say fast about it. He says, believe it and put it off. Take on the identity and put it off. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you can grasp hold of this, Whatever is a challenge or whatever is a goal or whatever is in your mind that God is telling you this is who you are, believe it and put it off. I know that sounds too simple, but you have to have hope in place of stagnancy. You have to have hope and belief in place of, what's the word? Uh, Complacency. And especially if you've been in church your whole life. And you've heard messages about Jesus and you're too familiar with it. You don't see the power in it anymore. Put off the complacency and have hope that this is for you. Because the things that you're striving towards aren't a strive. They're a belief and a hope. And God will show you how to walk it out and step it off. And I can tell you, I have not been perfect, but I have been less angry. Because to the degree that I believe this, I walk in it. And the more I believe it, the more I assert to myself in the moment when those emotions come. I don't have to do this. This is not who I am. This is how I have learned to behave. And my culture, this American culture, wouldn't do that for me. And it's not going to do that for you. It's going to come alongside and affirm you. Because it doesn't care a lick about you. Everybody say amen. (laughs) Amen. It just doesn't want to confront you. You live your truth. Okay. But it says, put to death these. Ever say death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie one to another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is why prayer, and I'm going to segue into this for the last little bit of this message, okay? This is why prayer and Bible reading are so vitally important. Because apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And we live in a world, we live in a world that a lot of it on the exterior is not going to bear witness of who you are. It's going to convince you otherwise. They have the message of the enemy. Did God say? God didn't say. Who is God? (laughs) What is truth? That's what Pilate said. You know. But when you stay close to him, he's going to affirm who you are. He's going to anchor you in it. When you're part of a good group of believers and you don't walk in offense, but you walk in love and bear with one another, they are going to be an evidence of who you are. They're going to keep you accountable. I have had so many experiences within the last three years where there have been things that my wife or others, parts of our church, they have kept me accountable because I'm holding myself not just by my own conscience, but I'm holding myself by other people's consciences as well. You do it this way, you're going to offend so-and-so. And, and that's not necessary. You don't have to do it that way. Don't exclude so-and-so. <laughs> it's good to have other people refine you. It's good to have other people bear witness of what's right in your life, not just you. Amen. That's what a good community of believers will do. And that's what relationship with God will do. And it's so vitally important that we maintain a good relationship with Father. That we spend time reading the word. Everybody say the word. Just step back for a second. Okay. I know everybody knows this, but pretend like you don't. Sometimes we think we do better than we're doing. And we think we know things that we're not doing. The, the, the power in the knowledge is not in knowing about it. It's in doing it. Everybody knows how to eat right. Everybody knows what they need to do to get in shape. The devils know that God is real and they tremble. <laughs> Faith without works is dead. Amen? And so, I'm here to just put in a plug Please, please, please don't neglect reading your Bibles. I was going to say this last week and spend more time on it. But and and you do not have to feel like if I have to get an hour, if I don't have an hour to read the word of God, God's not happy. No. If you have 10 minutes, take the 10 minutes and read your Bible. If all you can spare, I've got four kids. I know how different. Mornings can look. Every morning can look different. Okay? But I strive to get at least four or five times a week where I'm reading. (laughs) And if you've got ten minutes a day, which I know you do, I don't think anybody in here doesn't have ten minutes a day, you can get through three chapters and show up. Everybody say show up. When you show up and you're consistent, it starts to reinforce good habits of behavior in your reading. And you may not start out reading hours. 
but you can read a couple minutes and show up and be consistent and build and let it build and let it build. There's no competition. I've seen in my own life, there have been too many times I've preached where I would hold up a standard and everybody does is everybody will hear me set a standard and then they'll compare themselves to that standard. I'm not giving you any standard. What I'm telling you to do is compete with yourself and let God be your father. And if he's asking for a little bit of time, give him a little bit of time and be diligent about it. Make a plan. Everybody say plan. Set a plan and say, this is when I'm going to read my Bible and this is where I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to read for 10 minutes. 10 minutes five times a week is better than 30 minutes one time. Because 30 minutes one time and then saying, no, I don't got 30 minutes every single time. Other, all the other days of the week, little bits. Everybody say little bits. Let God give him a little and let him grow it. Let him grow it. Pray. Spend time talking to him. If all you think you have, which I don't believe you do, but all you think you have is the ride to work, take the ride to work. Let him foster the desire for more. Spend time with him. Okay? Don't make it a burden. Let it grow and bear fruit. The ride to work is better than not doing any because it wasn't two hours. Everybody hearing me? Give what you have. God can tell you something in a matter of minutes. And sometimes I would be sitting up here praying for a long time. And I wouldn't hear anything. And I'd, I'd still do it. I'd still be listening. But then I'd go mow the yard. <laughs> Five minutes mowing the yard. Bing! What? <laughs> he, can send, he can give you one word change your life for years. And that one he gave me while I was sitting here praying has changed my life. It's changed how I see myself. Changed what I see is possible. I don't put, I don't put three forty-day fasts in between me and change. I don't put twenty hours of prayer between me and change. Change is available now if you believe it. Amen. <clears throat> the identity that God has given you. Let me put it this way. Don't narrow it in so much. Don't make it so specific that if that part fails, you're wrecked. Your identity isn't limited to being, say, pastor of Great Commission Church. Or maybe your identity is, I'm a teller at a bank. Or my identity is, I'm a worship leader. What if you're not tomorrow? What if everything changes? Your identity isn't that brittle. Who God made you to be won't change tomorrow because you get out of a position. I'm not saying God doesn't have a plan, but what I am saying is that who God made you to be is bigger than one tiny role. And if everything changes tomorrow, if Marshalltown's wiped off the map, God's still father and you're still his child and he's bigger and you're bigger than some small part. Does that make sense? I've gone through times of confusion personally where I defined what God was doing in my life so narrowly 
so small that if that part were to fail, I would be completely confused. Okay? Set your identity on who He's made you to be. Spend time with Him. I know I'm called to preach. I don't always know where. <laughs> but if I'm alive, I'm preaching. I know I'm called to business. Part of that hasn't happened yet because there's still some things I'm working out. But it doesn't really matter what business I'm in. If one goes under, I'm still called to business. <laughs> if another goes under, I'm still called to business. If something goes wrong, who I am is not changed. Amen. God has called you to be fit and healthy. And he's told me he's given me. He says, I want you to exercise more. You want to live long. You need to exercise more. You need to eat better. Okay. Simple stuff. I would get so defined in if I don't work out five days a week, just so striving for perfect and missing better. Okay. Get better. Don't perfect is ridiculous. Get better. Amen. And we get so caught up in a goal, in a vision, in a point. And if it doesn't come to pass, we need to be more concerned with who he's made us to be on the inside, regardless of the outcome. Amen. Our identity isn't brittle. Everybody say brittle. It's not going to break. It's not going to. It's not so specific. It's who you are all the time, everywhere. Amen. Let's keep reading here. We'll start in verse 12. Everybody in Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is Christmas morning. You're opening up these gifts Hey, this is who you are. <laughs> compassionate hearts. <laughs> you get a compassionate heart. And you get a compassionate heart. And you get a compassionate heart. <laughs> Kindness. Humility. Meekness. And patience. I mean, imagine like this. Jesus manifests right here, right now, comes up and walks to you and says, I make you patient. You going to believe that? <laughs> he did because it's in his word. His word is here. Amen. <laughs> Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Boy, there's plenty of opportunity to practice that. Amen. <laughs> Y'all be experts, well exercised in forgiveness. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, my goodness, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I just have to brag on God right there. Sometimes I, I take for granted how blessed I am to know Jesus because I see how, how anxious people are. And I would get news. Sometimes I'd be, somebody will call me with just crazy stuff. And the first thing I feel is I'm still here. I'm still here. Peace I give to you. And it's, 
I mean, I tell you what, having a relationship with God, just there's nothing like it. There's no substitute. Your spouse won't do it. Your friends won't do it. Money won't do it. <laughs> if you want to be rich, know Jesus. Amen. <laughs> My goodness. Let the, yeah. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You can't put a price tag on that. You can't buy that. To which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I wanted to get to this verse before we quit. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Everybody say richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. To God. Now, I just wanted to share this parable and then I think I'm about done. When I first, what I would call got saved when I started following Jesus on my own. I would call, there was this kind of honeymoon phase where you believed everything was possible and it's just, you know, it's like when you first married, you and God are going to go conquer the world and there was just tremendous hope. And you should never lose your love for Christ. Amen? But there is a time where you go through seasons that feel, I say feel, they feel dry. They feel routine. They're redundant. I wake up again, I read my Bible. I wake up again, I pray. I wake up again, I talk to God. I cast this care. I forgive that guy again. <laughs> you feel the redundancy of it. And sometimes the redundancy of it. There's a part of your brain that says, this is boring. This isn't producing anything. And Paul called it weariness. Everybody say weariness. He says, don't be weary. Everybody say, don't be weary, don't be weary. in well-doing. Well For in due, time, in due time, you will reap if you don't faint. Your culture is not going to teach you this. Your culture wants it now. And it doesn't have any kind of endurance and it doesn't have any kind of time. It wants it right now. But you keep making small deposits into your relationship with God. You keep investing in things and sowing towards the right things. Pray every day. Read every day. You will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Don't neglect the word of God. Don't neglect reading the Bible. Don't neglect reading... Christ's words. Because I'm telling you, you, what you know today isn't good enough for tomorrow. Uh, did everybody catch that? What you know today can go stagnant. If you wait and you don't read your Bible, it starts to grow cold, starts to get old, and you start to listen to other voices. You need the bread for today that is today. It doesn't do any good to tell yourself, well, I ate bread six months ago. (laughs) 
How good is that for you today? You need bread today. You need, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the bread. I'm the water. I'm the air. (laughs) What's the picture? You need those all the time. Everybody with me? Go without breath for a couple of seconds. See how that goes for you. All right. Go without bread for a couple of days. Okay. You can. I wouldn't recommend going much past 40. Okay. (laughs) Go without water. You can't go past three. You need it. And yesterday's reading isn't sufficient. I entertained that idea for about a, a week or two. Like, well, I've read that Bible so much lately. You need it today. Amen. You need it today. Don't neglect, but let it dwell in you richly. Because there are plenty of storms that are coming. And they don't just mean nationally. I just mean you personally. Stuff comes. Phone calls come in the middle of the night. It's another terrible thing. What What's going to be there to confront that situation? My relationship with God is going to be the first thing. Peace I give to you. <laughs> I don't want any other answer in my heart. I don't want fear. I don't want torment. I don't want doubt. I want peace. Amen. So make deposits. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Kim, would you come play for just a little bit? I feel like the Lord is asking. This hits in two two ways, this hits. There are those of you that he's calling towards faith again instead of stagnancy. And they're not small issues, they're big issues. And he's calling faith to take the place of stagnancy. And you would almost say, in a minor way, it's a recommitment. Because it's yielding over what you would consider a big issue to God in a fresh way. It's salvation in an area of your life that's needing salvation. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you need to recommit and believe the gospel in an area. And I'm not going to be any more specific than that. And just for thoroughness, if there is anyone here that feels like I'm not really following Jesus at all, And I need to recommit my life to Him. If that's you, I want to take a moment. And I know this is a small room. I don't care. God doesn't care. Nobody in here cares. (laughs) But if you need prayer and you need to recommit your life, or... Or if you feel like there's an area of your life that God is asking you to take stagnancy out and put faith in, I want to ask you to come up and I want to pray with you. I know you could do this at home, but faith is a public thing, not a private thing. I just heard that this way, this this religious stuff's not for me. This, this religious stuff is not for me. I don't care about it. I don't like it. Whatever. <laughs> I agree with you. And underneath 
all the religion and the tradition and forms and the music you don't like. There's life. There's life. Religion is not for me. From church to church, how they express their love to me is not the same. Don't get caught up and justify rejecting me because you don't like the form. Underneath all of the form is life. And life is what you need. Life is what you need. I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. There's no way to the Father but through me. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I want a relationship with you. your walls down long enough to know me. Don't get caught up in religion. I didn't found religion. I came to bring you life and life abundant. Father, we thank you for turning many hearts to you. I thank you that people know you. They don't know about you, but they know you. And I thank you for pulling them closer to you. For you tugging on their hearts, not letting them go. I thank you for your patience with us. Your faithfulness when we're not. But I thank you, Father, that we are who you made us to be. And we believe it, and we're going to walk in it. We're going to do our part. Everybody said, Amen.